This is Radio Influence. This is Beyond the Badge on Radio Influence. A look inside the biggest and most controversial news stories you need to know now. One of the country's most relied upon law enforcement analysts, Vincent Hill. Hey, good evening and welcome to Beyond the Badge. I am your host, Vincent Hill. Today is Tuesday, March the 27th, 2018, and I am just three days away from heading out of here, headed to the Bahamas. Man, I can't wait. It's much needed rest and relaxation. As you know, when you're on a cruise, your phones don't work, your emails don't work, no one can get a hold of you, and man, I tell you what, I really, really need uh, a break because I've been Boss to the wall, if you will. So much on the go for the last couple of months that, uh, yeah, I'm starting to run out of gas. So I'm going to recharge at the start of spring break. My son and I are headed to the Bahamas. Uh, yes, I was just there in December with my mom for Christmas. That was her Christmas gift. And yes, if you know me, yes, this is probably my eighth time in the Bahamas, uh, in the last year and a half. But, you know, again, it's a great place to go away, get that rest and relaxation. And I'm to the point where I really need it because I've been going 100 miles an hour uh, for quite a while now. So I need to go regroup and refresh. But don't worry. I'll be right back here next week, same time, same station, RadioInfluence.com. And what I just played at the very start of this show was audio from body cam footage of the latest police shooting that is making the news, or should I say the mainstream media news, uh, it happened out in Sacramento police or Sacramento Sacramento police officers shot and killed 22 year old Stephen Clark. Of course, there's been protests. There's been out- outrage. There's been marches uh, by the Black Lives Matter movement uh, because he was unarmed and he's being described as a father of two who had turned his life around and was just this great outstanding guy so when you hear that you would assume that police just ran up on this guy and for no reason shot him twice actually he was shot more than twice i think a total of 20 shots were fired not by one officer but by several officers uh so you know when you hear the way it's being told by mainstream media that this uh stephen clark was an outstanding citizen and a father of two. Now, let me preface this by saying me being a father of two myself, I cannot imagine leaving my children behind for me not to be there for them. Even at 22 and 17, I cannot imagine that. Now, his children were much younger than my children. I don't even think they're in the double digit yet. Um, so let me preface this by saying I am not by any means happy that there's two children that are growing up without their father. Now, since I've prefaced that, I always say that we are responsible for our own actions and police respond with the use of force based on the use of force of the suspect they're dealing with. Now, 
I want to talk about the Sacramento shooting, and then I want to take it out to Baton Rouge, Louisiana. There was a decision made today in the Alton Sterling shooting that happened a couple years ago, and we remember that. There was a lot of protest about that. Uh, one guy actually took it upon himself to go to Dallas and kill five police officers because of that. And there were some police officers killed in Baton Rouge because of the Alton Sterling shooting. But there was a decision made today by the attorney general there in the state of Louisiana that I want to talk about. But first, let's break down this Sacramento shooting. In fact, the owner of the Sacramento Kings, the basketball team out there, gave a speech and basically said that he was in unity with the community and that justice needs to be served uh, and, you know, all this other stuff. But let's look at the totality of this shooting and let's look at everything before we rush to judgment, especially the mainstream media, i.e. CNN, because they've ran this a few times and with why question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark. Why question mark, question mark, question mark. Well, let's look at it from the very beginning. Now, it all started because of a 911 call from a resident who said that there was a man in a hoodie and dark pants breaking car windows. So Sacramento police, and I I assume this is their normal policy, or maybe it was a slow night. I don't know. They sent up Air One. That's what we called it in Nashville police. But anyway, they sent up the helicopter. The helicopter goes to the area and they see this individual on their night vision with a tool in his hand, breaking windows of residents, i.e. they assume because there's an individual with the tool breaking a window into a residence. They assume that this is either a burglary or i.e. a home invasion because it's late at night. Chances are the residents of that home are inside the home. So therefore, it's a home invasion. So, of course, the helicopter relays this to the ground units. The ground units, based on the helicopter direction, finds this individual. Now, this individual, who later we determined uh, was this Stephen Clark, did not at that time stop, comply with commands. He ran on foot. He flees into this backyard. And you heard again on the audio, you heard on the audio where the officer says gun. Now, if you get a chance, go watch the the video of it. The officer yells gun, but then the officer goes for cover. The shots don't happen immediately. The officer goes for cover, which is what he's supposed to do based on his training. So you hear again, gun, show me your hands before the shots ring out. Now, there were several minutes that went by. Again, people are asking about this, where the officers stayed behind cover before they approached. Well, I'll tell you that that's usually standard practice. It had nothing to do with the fact that Stephen Clark was black and these officers were white. It's standard practice because, A, he was in a very tall, grassy area, laid down, right? So it's dark. The officers can't assume that just because they fired shots that he was actually hit. It could be that Stephen Clark 
was laying in the prone position waiting for the officers to approach to shoot them. So it's standard practice until you can get more officers there that you can tactfully approach the individual that you wait. So he's handcuffed. Again, standard practice. Shot doesn't necessarily mean dead. And then the officers start CPR. So how then is it that this individual was unarmed if the officers yelled gun? Well, according to the body cam footage, again, he didn't comply with commands. He ran from police. Think about this. Police get a call about someone breaking into cars. Then he's breaking into houses. It could be a home invasion. He runs. He has an object in his hand when he faces police in a stance. What do you think the police assume that object is? Because most people that break into cars that break into homes, they're not just going around with water pistols. Right. They usually are armed. So it turns out that the object in his hand was a cell phone. Now, according to his sister, the officer should have known it was a cell phone because it had a gold case and, you know, all of this other stuff. But his sister, nothing against her. I understand she lost her brother, but his, her, his, his sister has never been in that situation. And his sister doesn't realize that in the dead of night. You can't tell what an object is in someone's hand. You can't tell that. And you can't speak to having to make a split second decision based on what you believe an imminent threat against your life or your partner's life or the public's life was. Again, add up the factors. Helicopter saw him breaking into a house. Helicopter gave ground units direction. Ground units caught up with the individual. The individual runs. Then the individual runs to a backyard and he faces the police and they give him commands. Show me your hands. Gun. Again, as I said at the start of this, it's not like the police just went around, walked up to this guy and opened fire and just shot him for no reason. That's not how it happened. So if we're going to tell this story, let's tell it. In its entirety, and let's tell it right so people can understand what really happened. So part of the, the, the protest was, come to find out, Stephen Clark was shot in the backyard of his grandparents. And that's another thing that keeps making it around mainstream media. Well, mainstream media should be smart enough to know. Well, I take that back. Let me explain it to you from mainstream media. If I'm chasing an individual who I've never met in my life, who I don't know if he lives in the neighborhood, I don't know his name, I don't know his mama's name, I don't know his grandmama's name, how am I to know that he's in his grandparents' backyard? But let me flip it even harder than that. What difference would it have made if I knew he was in his grandparents' backyard if He approached me in what I believed in that split second was an imminent threat against my life. Do you think, for argument's sake, had it been a gun instead of a cell phone and the officer knew, oh, man, oh, you at your grandma's house? Well, I'm going to go ahead and reholster my weapon so you can shoot me. No, it, it doesn't work that way. Whether he was at his grandmama's house, his mama's house. 
his daddy's house, the house of the Lord. It doesn't matter. The fact is, the officers believe there was an imminent threat against their lives at that time. Now, in the body cam video and in the audio, it goes on to say how he pointed an object, what they perceived to be a gun. That's what the officer said. And again, if you hear the officer say gun, 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 he didn't say that just so he could say, man, I'm going to go ahead and shoot this guy. No, no, no. He yelled that because that's what he perceived in that very dim, dark of night lighting. Now, had this been different, had this been 11 o'clock in the morning, I think it would have been quite clear that it was a phone in his hand. Yeah, the officer may have seen the gold case in his hand. He may have seen all of that. But here's what would have prevented Stephen Clark from being shot. A, the helicopter sees you. B, the ground units catch up to you. And they say, sir, get on the ground, put your hands behind your back. And then you get on the ground and you put your hands behind your back. Or option two, you say you do run from said police and they do catch you in your grandparents' backyard. When the police say, show me your hands, you show your hands. And then they would tell you, turn around, get on your knees, place your hands behind your back. They would cuff you. They could knock on the door and say, hey, Grandma Joe, I have your grandson here. He is going to jail because he was breaking into cars and breaking into homes. So we're charging him with burglary of a motor vehicle, burglary of a home. But your grandson is alive. But it was Stephen Clark's actions. Now, again, I'm not happy that his kids don't have a father. I really am not. But it was Stephen Clark's actions that led to the shooting. But everybody in society wants to blame the police. They want the police already to lose their jobs. They want them to resign. But let me talk about a little bit of hypocrisy, right? Because we've seen this all over the country. We saw it in Baltimore where they wanted the commissioner to resign, and he later did. We saw it in Ferguson, where they wanted the chief to resign, and he did. Everyone demanded they resign. We saw it in so many cities throughout this country, but not in Sacramento. The Black Lives Matter, the Al Sharptons, the Benjamin Crumps, all of these people that we always see during these shootings have not said anything about the chief of police. You know why? Because the chief of police is African-American. So they're not even concerned with him. They're putting it all on the officers. But any other time, it was the chief. The chief should resign. They're putting it all on the officers simply because the chief of police in Sacramento is black. Now, I assure you, if he was a white man, a white woman, a Chinese man, a Hispanic man, right now, the city of Sacramento would be petitioning to get that chief of police fired. They'd be writing the mayor. They'd be writing the governor. They'd be writing their mama. They'd write whoever they could to make sure that chief in Sacramento got fired. But because he's African-American, they've been silent about that. But the fact of the matter is this, and I, I truly believe it. Yes, the chief of police in, in Sacramento was black. 
But I truly believe, based on his training and based on him wanting to go home to his family, had that chief been there in that situation at that exact moment, given what he was given and given the fact that the suspect fled, the suspect didn't comply, the suspect faced them in a stance that can be interpreted as a shooting stance, and he had an object in his hand. After I told him to show me his hands, he still didn't do it. I bet you money that black chief that no one's questioning would have reacted the same exact way. So then what? Would it make national news if it was a black man, a black chief that shot a black burglary suspect? That's about as far as that article would go. Police shoot and kill a burglary suspect last night in Sacramento. And that's about the end of that story. I promise that's how it worked. Or had he complied with that black chief or that black officer, he would have simply been put in a police car, transported to jail, went to court, and got his sentence. But since he didn't do that, unfortunately, he was transported another way and his family is without a son those kids are without a father and who's really to blame think about that who's really to blame it was not those two officers now CNN saying well they muted their mics after the shooting okay but we have the key ingredients to what happened leading up to the shooting So it's not a situation where they turned the body cams off before the shooting, the shooting occurred, and then the body cams mysteriously come back on. No, no, no. They had the body cameras on the entire time. Why did they mute them? I don't know. But the evidence is in the video and the audio at the time of the shooting. Hey, before I talk about Baton Rouge, I want to talk about my good friends over at Rugged Depot. And I know when I was in patrol, one of the most important things for me was transporting my prisoner. Not just because I can say I arrested someone, but transporting them safely to jail. And I know for my canine officers, one of the most important things for them was making sure their canine partner, Little Scruffy, was protected while he was in that car driving around waiting to catch the next bad guy. And my friends at Rugged Depot have a solution for you. Rugged Depot offers state-of-the-art, have-his-prisoner transport solutions for almost any van. Call 833-RUGGED-3 to find out how to configure your passenger van today. With have-his-quality, your prisoner transport insert will likely outlast the life of your van. And thankfully, you can easily transfer your insert into a new compatible van. Installation is easy enough that you can do it yourself or you can contact Rugged Depot for professional installation. As a Havis partner, Rugged Depot also offers award-winning canine vehicle inserts. With over 30 different models of canine inserts, you can be sure that your canine partner will be riding safely and comfortably. Ask about our new dual-purpose inserts, which allow you to carry both a canine partner and a prisoner in one vehicle. From window guards to push bumpers to gun mounts, Rugged Depot offers a complete solution for law enforcement vehicles. Call 833-RUGGED-3 
or go to RuggedDepot.com and type badge in the chat box. All right, let's take it out to Baton Rouge. And this is a case that's been going on for a couple of years now. Uh, if you remember back in July of 2016, police again received a call about an individual threatening people with guns. They encountered a guy who matched the description who turned out to be Alton Sterling. You could see in the, the cell phone video that captured that, that Alton Sterling resisted arrest. You can hear an officer yelling pretty much like we just heard in the last case, gun, 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 uh, before shots were fired. So again, two white police officers didn't just walk up to Alton Sterling and shoot him simply because he was a black man. They had a legal right to be there based on the 911 call. He fit the description. He resisted arrest. He didn't comply with commands. Officers were met with imminent threat of death or bodily injury based on them saying gun, gun, gun. Police did recover a 38 caliber fully loaded in the pocket of Alton Sterling, who was a convicted felon who was not allowed to carry a gun. But again, we saw protests. We saw all of that. We saw he was a great guy who had never done anything to anyone, uh, although his criminal record doesn't say that. Um, but anyway, I digress. So originally, the Department of Justice uh, decided there were no federal charges. Uh, against the officers. Remember, this was under the Obama administration and the DOJ was getting involved in everything police related, although they shouldn't have. Well, everything police related, if the individual that was affected was black, because, again, there were hundreds of white people shot by police that I never saw the DOJ get involved with. But anyway, uh, so the DOJ declined to prosecute these officers as they should have because they did nothing wrong. It wasn't just reckless or malice homicide. Police were responding. The individual had a gun. He was not under custody, i.e. handcuffed. When they started yelling gun, he was still actively resisting arrest. So it was a clean shoot. So... Uh, somehow got to the attorney general of Louisiana. I, I assume his family uh, pushed for that to bring charges against these officers. And today, Attorney General Jeff Landry uh, came back and decided that he, too, was not going to press charges against the officers involved. More importantly, Officer Blaine Salamani, uh, who was the actual shooter that night, who shot and killed Alton Sterling. Now, it goes back to what I said even back then when this first happened, and I said there would not be any convictions on this case for those officers because the law of the land, the use of force continuum, all of that plays a factor when you're investigating these shootings. Now, we can argue with certain groups that will say, oh, it's only because of color. Well, I can tell you to go to Salt Lake City, Utah and talk to Dylan Taylor's family, who was white, who was shot three days after Michael Brown. And that officer wasn't charged. And he was shot by a white officer. And then go ask them, did it have to do with color? It had to do with the law of the land and what the officers perceived at that exact moment and the use of force continuum. Now, why do you say, Vince, the use of force continuum? Well, it's simple. Because the use of force continuum, if you don't know, even though I've said it on the show, allows the officer to use 
the amount of force necessary to affect their arrest. But not only that, if the officer is attempting verbal commands and the suspect resists, the officer can automatically step up their use of force up to and including deadly force if the officer is faced with deadly force. Now, anytime there's a gun, there's my gun, my partner's gun, and your gun, I'm going to say that's deadly force if you have a gun. Now, many have argued with me because Alton Sterling was on his back when he was shot. Well, as I've said before, I've trained to shoot on my back because you never know when you might be on your back. Just because Alton Sterling was on his back doesn't mean he couldn't have reached in his right pocket, pulled out that gun, and shot the two officers that were directly on top of him. You don't need a lot of aim to do that. You don't even need special training to do that. If someone is on top of you and your right arm is free and you pull out that gun and you shoot them, what kind of training do you need? You don't need training. You just need to be able to get to the gun. So the fact that Alton Sterling was on the ground had nothing to do with it. So if if Obama's Department of Justice came back and said there's no charges, is there any surprise that the Attorney General of the state of Louisiana would say the exact same thing? Because the evidence didn't change. You know what you have to do to prove malice, murder? You have to prove, A, that there was malice involved. And again, these officers... Maybe they did know Alton Sterling because he had a quite a lengthy record in Baton Rouge and he had resisted arrest before with police while he was armed with the gun, mind you. So maybe these two officers did know Alton Sterling or maybe just maybe they didn't. Now, when I was patrolling Nashville, there were certain people I knew because I dealt with them on a regular basis. But then there were other people I didn't know when I got to a call. And if the threat was there... The threat is there, and I'm going to react the exact same way. But the evidence in this case did not change. Alton Sterling, a convicted felon, armed with a gun, resisted arrest. The officers attempted to subdue him. Again, they didn't just walk up and shoot him. That's malice murder. They didn't wake up that morning and say, you know what? I'm going to go kill this blank Alton Sterling Just because I'm a white guy and he's a black guy, that is malice murder. There's premeditation in that. But when you get a call because there's an individual threatening people with guns, or should I say with a gun, and then when you encounter that individual and he resists and you see the gun, that is not malice murder. That is doing the job of a police officer protecting And serving, protecting yourself, protecting your partner, protecting the community, and serving said community. Because Alton Sterling gets away, and then he goes out and robs someone, which he had a history of, with the same said gun. And then he shoots an individual that he's robbing, and that individual dies. And then the family finds out that the police encountered Alton Sterling, but they didn't arrest him, and he got away. And then the police are still accountable. Right. The police are still accountable. So the officers in that situation way back in July 2016, they did exactly what they were supposed to do. Again, is it tragic that someone lost their dad? 
Absolutely. I, I, I can't fathom that. I want to live to be 100 just so I can see my kids to get old. I can't fathom leaving my kids behind. But at the same time, and yeah, part of it is because I used to be a cop, but even before I was a cop, I respected police. I complied with police. Well, you think I've never been pulled over before? You don't think I've ever been pulled over before simply because I was black? It happened to me in 1991 in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, because I was on a cell phone. Well, back then they were brick phones. My mom had one. The guy told me he stopped me. Well, I stopped you because you're on a phone. How did you get the phone? Yeah. So it happens. I get it. But compliance means survival. Just imagine this. Had 1991. I get pulled over by police. Roll the window down. I ain't rolling the fucking window down. Roll the window down, kid. I ain't rolling the window down. I'm going to yank you out of the car, kid. Nah, F you. Oh, okay. All right, then. How do you think that would have gone for me? How do you think that would have gone for me in 1991? It wouldn't have gone too well. Compliance. Compliance would have saved Alton Sterling's life. When Obama went to the funeral of those five dead police officers and said, Alton, the, America needs to feel the pain of Alton Sterling's family. What he should have said was, Alton Sterling's parents should have taught him better. Alton Sterling's parents failed him for allowing him to go out and rob people and be armed with a gun when he's a convicted felon. Alton Sterling should have known compliance. That's what would have kept Alton Sterling alive. But to say, oh, well, America needs to feel the pain of Alton Sterling's family was a slap in the face to every police officer. It was a slap in the face to every person in that uniform because it wasn't those police officers fault that Alton Sterling died. It was only one person because, Oh, I know the officers should have just reholstered their weapon and got up and said, all right, man, it's cool. Don't even worry about it. And the second they did that, they would have been dead and nobody would have been talking about it. Nobody at all. Because it was just two police officers killed. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Police are dying in this country every day, but nobody's talking about it. Police are getting shot across this country every day, but nobody is talking about it at all. Heck, there was a black police officer in New Orleans who was shot and killed. You may remember this. Back in 2015, he was transporting a prisoner. Nobody's talking about it. He was shot by a black man, killed by a black man. Nobody's talking about it. But if the roles were reversed and that same black man who was in prison, who was getting transported, was killed by police because he attempted to kill this police officer. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So my message to the mainstream media, if I only had one message to the mainstream media, if you're going to tell these stories, don't half-ass tell the story. Tell the full story. I've watched CNN and not one report that they've done has said 
Stephen Clark was breaking into cars. And Stephen Clark was seen by a police helicopter breaking into homes. The only thing I've seen was he was a great guy who had turned his life around and he was a great father. Well, if he was a great father on that night, now I'm going to be brutally honest. If he was a great father, he would have been home with his kids that night because you can't say you're a great father and a great role model and you've turned your life around while you're out breaking into cars and breaking into homes. That's called burglary. So what image, what role, what thing of being a man are you showing your son by doing that? See, a great father would have been home with his kids. He would have been tucking them in the bed. He would have been reading them a story. He would have been wrestling with them. He would have been watching Nickelodeon with them. He would have been taking them to the movies. He would have been doing a whole lot of other things versus out committing crimes. So if we're going to tell this story about the shooting in Sacramento, let's tell it right. It was more than just an unarmed black man. That is just bullcrap. And A, I can tell you a long list of officers that have been killed by unarmed people. This is much bigger than an unarmed black man. So tell the story, mainstream media, and tell it right. All right, I'm out of time. I, I thank you so much for listening tonight. So it's time for my 10-7 segment. And I talked about this officer uh, just a few minutes ago out in New Orleans, Louisiana. Officer Daryl S. Holloway. Uh, police officer Daryl Holloway was shot and killed while transporting a prisoner to the central lockup at approximately 8 a.m. The prisoner had been arrested by a previous shift for aggravated assault for firing one shot at a woman with a 40 caliber handgun. Responding officers located a 38 caliber handgun owned by a woman and one 40 caliber shell casing, but did not locate the 40 caliber handgun. The subject was arrested and transported to the police station for questioning. Officer Holloway was requested to transport the subject to the central lockup following the interviews. The subject had been handcuffed behind his back, but managed to maneuver his arms to the front of his body. He then produced the 40 caliber handgun he had kept concealed on his person, crawled through the vehicle's partition and began struggling with Officer Holloway. Officer Holloway was shot during the ensuing struggle, causing his vehicle to crash into a utility pole near the intersection of North Claiborne and Esalen Fields Avenue. The subject fled on foot after the vehicle crashed and was captured the next day after a brief chase that ended near the intersection of Rain Street and St. Claude Avenue. He was arrested the following morning and charged with first-degree murder of a police officer, aggravated escape, and weapons charges. Officer Holloway had served with the New Orleans Police Department for 22 years. And that subject actually was just found guilty uh, this past week of first-degree murder, uh, thankfully, and he received a life sentence uh, in jail. He initially tried to claim insanity, but the judge and jury were not buying that because you can't claim insanity when you knew exactly what you were doing. Uh, so good to hear 
that this bad guy is off the street for killing a cop, a black cop, killed by a black man. Again, no one was talking about it. Uh, None of the NFL, none of the New Orleans Saints, you know, they weren't kneeling for that. But had the shoe been on the other foot, I assure you, they would have been kneeling during the national anthem. Hey, I want to thank you for listening. I appreciate it. Shout out to my friends over at Rugged Depot. Thanks for all you do. Thanks for providing the police departments with the equipment they need to stay safe and do their job. I'll see you next week right here, same time, same station, RadioInfluence.com. Good night. To continue the conversation, get updates on the show, and to find out when you can see him on television, follow Vincent on Twitter, at Vincent Hill TV. That's at Vincent Hill TV. This has been Beyond the Badge on Radio Influence. This is an Ian Beckles flavor in your ear quick fix on Radio Influence. Once again, I'm a TMZ fan. I'm I'm almost a freak. I watch it every day. Sometimes I watch the old ones too, which makes me even freakier. Um, There was a a sighting at a restaurant, and they didn't really tell if it was uh, amorous or not, but they were kind of hugged up a little bit. Uh, Judge Judy was out in a restaurant on a date with Samuel L. Jackson. Now, that is one of the weirdest couples that I've heard in a while, but not really so weird. And you look at that couple and you think, boy, there's a lot of money there. I mean, who's going to pick up the check? So I did my investigative journalism, and I looked to see who's worth more. And I think right away people are thinking Samuel Jackson. Nope. Samuel Jackson is worth $200 million. But that is chicken feed compared to what Judge Judy is worth, which is $350 million. And she also makes $47 million a year. You can find Ian Beckles' Flavor in Your Ear on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and RadioInfluence.com.